and welcome to Screen Babble, your guide to what to watch. We'll be tuning into hours and hours of TV so we can tell you what you need to be switching on and what's to be avoided. I'm your host, Kelly Crichton, and we are reunited this week. The dream team, that is Alex Moreland, Stephen Ross, and I. It's a joy to be back serving the public with television advice. How are you both? Yeah, very good. <laughs> if you haven't tuned in before, each week we'll be chatting about what we're watching as well as looking more closely at a new program or something making the headlines in the deep dive. This week, Alex talks to us about Then You Run. Interesting title. Finally, we go back to the future to tell you about a program you may have missed when it first aired or streamed. And this week, Stephen tells us about Taboo. But first, we like to talk about what everyone has been watching recently. Oh my God. Is everybody still reeling from the news of Biker Grove's reboot? Yes. That was a big reeling. one for me, personally. <laughs> Tell us about it. Did you do a piece on it? No, no, I was I was off yesterday, so I managed to escape oh. that oh. whole thing. Stephen, did you do something on it? No. No, no, someone from the, uh, I think the SEO team I think got onto that. Yeah. Managed, Hire, managed to Hire avoid it then. Biker Grove expert. I, is it on location, Biker Grove? Is it what? Shot on location. Well, who, who knows about the new one? Well, because yeah. I lived near Biker um, when I was in Newcastle, and, ooh, I would not want to... <laughs> You're trying to be nice here, I can feel it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, it's a shithole, isn't it? And <laughs> oh, no. I can't imagine. I'm sure the people who live there don't think it is. Come on. Uh, I don't know, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it's changed in since the but, show first aired to now. Well, they'll have a big budget. Like, I mean, Ant and Dec clearly are like you know, yeah. they're executive producers now, so it's going to be like so much more of a big budget thing, I presume. Maybe not. Did they not realize in the in the first end of the original show that they were on Biker Grove, and it got like they realized they were characters in a series? Is that not how it ended? Well, they were PJ and Duncan, weren't they? So they went on to meet yeah. PJ and Duncan for a while after it, didn't they? I don't know. Let's get ready to Not, To be honest with you, I I obviously know of it because it's a cultural phenomenon, but I never watched it. It wasn't on Irish TV, yeah. so I, I was spared. But I promise I will watch an episode of it when it does come out, so you don't have to if you don't want to. Just give, give, give. I bet you're so glad I'm back. Cool. Right, anyway, what have you been watching? <laughs> Stephen, tell us. I watched um, Living, the Bill Nye film from oh, last year. Oh, yeah. It's now on Amazon Prime. Mm. It was very life-affirming. Which he was nominated um, for a Oscar for, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 It, he was sort of that, that Oscar nominee that they give every year to, like, a grandee of the acting world that's mm. in a fairly, like, not dull, but non... A fairly understated film. Okay. So, you know, like... He was that sort of category for it. Um, Token nomination, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Amy uh, Amy Lou Wood from Sex Education. Okay. And it's about a guy who sort of fully become like he's his job and he doesn't really have a life outside of work. And then he finds out that he's got a probably terminal illness and decides that he wants to sort of make the most of the time he's got left. And it's it's um, based on an Akira Kurosawa um, Japanese film from the fifties, mm-hmm. I think, um, and it was it was very very good, very life affirming, very 
very nice watch and really, really well shot. Like the cinematography oh. on it is. Did you feel any more positive about his nomination after watching it? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, um, he would never have won the Oscar for it, but he. I mean, I don't mind. He's a great actor. He was yeah. great in that. It was, yeah, it was good. yeah, he's a nice, familiar face. And um, where did you watch it? Where is it? Amazon Prime. Okay, cool. How did it um, compare to Supernova? It's similar, thematically very similar. Do I do I think that Super, Supernova was probably less cinematographically as good? Okay. Um, like the way that each shot had been constructed in Living was clearly very clever and they were definitely mm. telling a story through the visual aspects of the film. So in that way, it was a bit more beyond the surface. But I think they were probably both on a very similar level in terms of like the strength of, of the films and the emotive sort of pull of them. We'll be uh, anxiously awaiting films about women dying in the next two years, having watched so many about men dying in the past few years. So, <laughs> um, Alex, what about you? What have you been watching then? So so I finished the second series of Hot and Catch Fire last night. Um, well done, the, uh, well done. Yeah, I'm making good, making good pace with it. I think it's very good at... Um, <laughs> each time sort of a series ends and a new one starts, it's very good at kind of blowing up its premise and sort of oh. starting in a, in a new place in a new way that it, like, it doesn't feel that they've sort of been, you know, wasting time or idling or anything for the past 10 yeah. episodes. It cool. kind of really emphasizes that sense of like the future barreling down at them. Uh, yeah. I'm really enjoying that. Cool. Um, Where are you watching that, by the way? Because I have uh, such a that is on dirty... Channel Four, uh, Channel okay. Four Online, which is previously Four OD, previously All Four, now currently just Channel Four. Channel Four again. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Confusing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I've been been watching a Aiden Turner tennis thing that, that I'm not to tell you about yet. And mm. since yeah, we'll, we'll look back to that in a few weeks. It's a Build, build. Was that like they wanted to have it out for Wimbledon, but something's held it up now, so they're, they're going to miss it? Um, I don't know. How long is Wimbledon on for? About two weeks. Two weeks. Then, then they will arrive just at the end of it, I think, it's out on the TV. Oh, okay. Oh, exciting. Right. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I've seen or sort of finished since last week is the other two, which I forget if I've mentioned on here already. So it's this sort of US HBO comedy about... Um, so there's this kind of Justin Bieber-esque teen pop star it's mm. about his two older siblings who are sort of like failures and, and rubbish at life. One of them is a <laughs> struggling actor and the other is a sort of just struggling, just struggling full stop. Okay. Um, but it is, uh, so, so that finished this past week and yeah, I really, really enjoy that show. It is um, is it a comedy or? Yeah, yeah, it's a comedy. It's quite yeah. sort of heightened, and it's kind of a parody of sort of, sort of the film, TV, music industry, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so they'll they'll like take the piss out of method actors, and they'll have um, you, you know, like really sort of obscure, specific jokes that are about like. Uh, like the filming schedules on Euphoria, which is a joke okay. that is targeted at like, me and 10 other people. But okay. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> I feel like we should get like Alex's cliff notes to go along with yeah. this uh, program. It's good. It's, um, so they do things like there was an episode where um, the older brother gets cast as sort of Disney's first gay glob cartoon. And he makes the whole thing of like, oh, my God, I'm the first openly gay glob. And it, <laughs> it, it's very funny. It's very entertaining. But, um, good. Yeah, so it was the finale this past week. And I, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. The two two leads of that fantastic, Drew Tarver and Helena York. Um, so, so it's the other, it's called The Other Two. It's called The Other Two, yeah. And it is, I, I have been watching it through alternate means because it has not been mm. on in the UK since okay. the series, but worth jumping okay. down. Since what? It's, so it's not new, is it? How so, many series did you say? So it was the third series that just ended recently. Oh. Um, okay. So now. Okay. Um, well, we keep an eye out for that, actually. We might do a, an old preview of that when it does arrive yeah. on these shores. All right, cool. Well, I've been a complete mess besides um, watching, you know, tons of Glastonbury back on iPlayer since I came back. Um <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, I did start the Steel Town Murders, which was on mm. recently, and I didn't watch, which I actually really am enjoying. I must say, it's like your sort of fairly standard BBC true crime drama, but there's something a little bit more to it. I couldn't, can't really put my finger on it. Like, there's, I don't know, maybe it, I think it's the way it's written. Actually, I think the characters have a bit more depth than some um, in in similar programs but uh, I'm halfway through that so I'll maybe do a little report on that afterwards um, I, I was desperate at the weekend for a new watch and I was like oh let's do something sort of fantasy sci-fi so we started The Witcher discuss I find Henry Cavill irritating <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the extent yeah. of my I think some people only watch it because of him <laughs> Not mentioning like my sister or some other people. Um, right. Any other comments on it then? I, I saw the first episode of the first season and I just thought it was a bit too, uh, like, so fantasy. And yeah, so, like, by oh, numbers. Be... Fantasy by numbers, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and I, I don't mind Henry Cavill, but I thought he was a bit of a, well, a bit a bit empty in yeah. that. He was just like a gruff. With a steely exterior, but he's got a heart in yeah. there somewhere. Yeah. Um, similar, really didn't like enjoy the first sort of 40 minutes, but warmed up to it towards the end because it got a bit more exciting. And you see a bit more of the structure of where the whole thing is going, you know. Um, so I'll watch a couple more. I'm not fully committed what, to it yet, um, I have to say. Because that first series, I remember there was a lot of talk about it, like the structure of it and how it's kind of different timelines all at once. What's that mm. like? That hap- it's not happening yet. Oh, okay. It was li- linear. The first episode okay. was linear, as far as I can remember. Um, <laughs> it, it was just after I come back from Glastonbury, so maybe, maybe not. Um, so I will, I will report back on that again. But as I said, I was kind of desperate for something to watch. Um, do you know what I watched last night? You're gonna love this. Okay. I bet you both watched it as well. And, um, like and just like that, <laughs> series two. What did you say? I said, and just like that. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Have you watched it? No, not well, because I haven't watched it in the city yet, so I can't watch the new one. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's back. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with yeah, and just like that last year. Wait, because I thought it was going to be terrible, and it wasn't terrible. It was pretty bad, but it wasn't terrible. Okay, and there were some elements of it that I sort of enjoyed. 
that feature, obviously, in the original series. The episode last night, the first episode of the second series, was so bad. It was so bad. Oh, my God. Oh, it was just cringe. The, the first eight to ten minutes of the whole episode is people having sex. Different people having sex. Like, it was just like... In the city or...? Most of them, I imagine, are in the city somewhere. Oh, okay. But it was like, it, it was trying so hard to be Sex in the City, you know, still, and still be relevant, even though all the characters are in later in life and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, the, God, the, the efforts for it to be sort of uh, multicultural and multidimensional and all that, it just doesn't, it's just too much. It's just like, it's just trying too hard on every level. But um, anyway, I just thought I'd mention it because people are watching it. Yeah. It is very popular. Yeah. We serve everybody. Do you, do you watch it like, that's not what podcasting's like. That's not, that's not how podcasting works. Oh, the, but the references to stuff, it's like they just put references in. Yeah. Like it's, it, that have no actual resemblance to reality. So podcast got mentioned like four times in the first episode and not even in relation to like the fact that Carrie has a podcast. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, cringe. But um, there is, yeah. well, I think it's either the second or third episode. I don't know how long it's been on for. Is about yeah. her podcast. Yeah. And so I'll be interested to see what you make of that when when you reach that one. There's a clip in the first yeah. episode where she's just like answering questions, but it's like it's almost like they don't even know what a podcast is. It's like she's on the radio and she's doing a call in, yeah. you know, which makes no sense well, for a podcast. Oh my god. But anyway, and and now she's sleeping with her producer, so lads, you know, you gotta be like you gotta be aware of what happens in the podcast industry. You know what I mean? Maybe you should start watching it. Uh, that would be frowned upon, I think, <laughs> by, by many for many reasons. <laughs> oh, anyway, there you go. Uh, I just had to mention it. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, there you go. So I've been all over the shop basically. Um, I saw a bit of the Kanye West documentary as well, BBC One, which I was very much enjoying, but I haven't watched all of it. So I'm, I'm going to watch that and come back to you about that as well next week. So there you go. Uh, right. God, halfway through the podcast, and we haven't even got onto the, the the main features. Okay, Alex, you're going to talk to us about this new Sky show called Then You Run. You spoke with the writer. I did. That's cool. Right. Yeah, tell us. Which you can listen to in, in just a moment. Um, so Then You Run, it is a new kind of, I, I suppose you'd say, a, sort of a YA thriller kind of thing. It is about these these four girls from from kind of South London, sort of, nearish to me i think um and they are they've sort of finished their exams they're going on their kind of big post exams holiday um yep. they go out to rotterdam where they meet with the uncle of one of the girls um he it turns out is quite a quite an established quite a big time drug dealer uh, very involved Ooh. with with organized crime um and then I'll, I'll sort of draw a veil over some of it because of you know spoilers and so on. But suffice to say, one thing leads to another, and then they find themselves on the run from from the uncle, from his gang, with quite a considerable amount of heroin, at which they you know don't want to be caught with by by the gangsters, by the police, by sort of in the background. And I haven't I've only seen the opening few episodes, so I haven't seen how it will all fit together but there is also a serial killer kind of out and about and who is clearly going to collide with them at some point 
um but yeah lots of going lots going on there then yeah yeah so it's very much um you've you've got kind of the road trip coming of age story you've got the gangster drama and the serial killer as well that's three parts of it it's a good Mm. thing this isn't a visual podcast um (laughs) but yeah so it was it was kind of on my radar because uh vivian apara stars in it and she was in rye lane which i mentioned ages ago now um and she was in a doctor who spin-off called class many years ago which i thought she was very good in um so i kind of always try and watch the the things she's in because i think she's very good and the writer ben chanan did the capture which we've spoken about before as well the bbc one yeah um so yeah that's why that was on my radar it sounds a little bit like um that that program you spoke to us about a few weeks ago but the two girls like go off to thailand and they get marooned on a boat and all that uh, I, yeah, I didn't make that connection actually, but I could see, yeah, they'd, they'd probably be be complementary to one another. Hmm, cool. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to hear a little bit from the writer whose name it is Ben Chanon. So here is Alex talking to Ben. So first of all, just to sort of like set the scene for us a little bit, where did work begin on on then you run for you? Kind of what was it that drew you to the book? Well, somebody sent me the book in 2016. And, and said, how would you feel about adapting this? And I, I'd never adapted anything before. So I didn't really know how I felt about it. But as soon as I started reading it, I realized that it was just this, I, I felt I felt like it was a challenge that, that excited me. I mean, it was very ambitious. It's an ambitious novel because it's an ensemble. You know, there's there's like 30 characters in the book. And, and I had, up until then, first of all, I'd never adapted anything. Secondly, most of the stories that I'd, written were tend to follow one character or two in a slightly more traditional way and I and I and I love the challenge of trying to juggle an ensemble of of you know in the book it's like 30 and we, we've had to narrow it down because it's just only there's only so many there's only so many people you can keep track of I think when you're watching a series but I love the challenge of juggling all those different characters and uh, like all those different storylines from different genres as well how did you sort of approach adapting it like compared to something you'd write yourself or an original well, I, I I think we clearly there were there are changes you, you have to make and uh, you know for example I mean I, I I immediately saw this as a a road trip you know I thought that this is this is where it get this is where the action starts I think in the book the road trip starts halfway through I think you know we we, we clearly had to kick them off and get them running earlier but I couldn't fit every character from the book in i tried to sort of amalgamate something of the of the personality of those characters into other characters or into or into situations so you mentioned that kind of the linearity the timelines and everything that's quite a i suppose quite a popular device now there's a lot of shows that have on some level kind of a complicated timeline but i was wondering how you kind of approach that sort of structure what the challenges are what the benefits are I hope that we've got the balance right in this show, and that it's not. This is not a brain teaser. It's not. It's not like it's a a, a kind of really really difficult puzzle to work out, and you've got to do it. it or honestly, I mean, I like as a as an audience member, I like I like doing a bit of work, and I, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And so do I. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but maybe you have maybe you'll have to do a bit. But at the same time, this is I hope ultimately a lot of fun and i think you don't have to sit there struggling over where, where are we again and all that because it's not like a tightly woven narrative with a big a big kind of whodunit plot it's not about that at all it's 
it's the, the the playfulness and linearity is kind of done more for character reasons and yeah. done like little character reveals and kind of um and, and to help to help you understand what the characters understand at the time of the sort of now in the present but but it's not a kind of um it's not too taxing i hope i mean tonally this is quite a sort of heightened show i guess maybe is the word but um did it feel like much of a departure from sort of things like capture cyberbully blackout documentaries as well i guess more of a departure sure it felt like a departure because it is much more high than anything i've done that's another reason that drew me to the project really it just felt very different um and certainly very enjoyable and getting that tone right i think it's harder than a grounded tone everything's everything's hard right grounded tone isn't easy either but knowing knowing how heightened to push it without it getting hopefully without it getting broad i think or too broad that's the sort of the key and direction is key to that and and, and Rob, Robbie McKillop our lead director set that tone beautifully in the first block and and, and our other directors developed it beautifully as it went on and, and in fact I'm I'm kind of in awe of, of of all of them really that they've kept kept the tone afloat across three different directors and three different DPs and obviously the cast were massively massively important in that they knew they got the tone the cast got the tone of this dialogue just perfectly um, we're so lucky to have all of them. So could you tell me a little bit about the sort of about the casting and how you kind of found everyone? Um, I was kind of a big, big fan of Vivian Aparna anyway, so that's why this was on my radar. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Did you see Mirai Lane? Yes, fantastic in that. It's yeah. fantastic. Um, well, Vivian's just amazing. Uh, the, the casting of the of the sort of Fab Four um, was a very extensive process, and Robbie and and Derek, our producer, and Daniel Edwards, our um, our casting director, did a brilliant job in uh, chemistry casting those four. I and mean, they, they, there were lots of other, met lots of other brilliant brilliant actresses um, who we were very tempted by, but this this felt like the four that that they had to. Although it's a heightened tone, I still wanted to believe these were four genuine friends from the same neighbourhood, from a very specific part of London, who all gone to the same school together and um, and that you, you really believe them as friends, you know, and and particularly friends who are just past school and in that awkward phase of like, are we are we going to stay together as a friendship group or, or not? And what is it that unifies us? Um, I felt that they had to get that casting right. They had to, they had to feel that, and I think they do. Um, so, yeah, I think they've done a great job with the casting. Is there anything you can tell us about sort of anything you're working on at the moment or what kind of vague plans for what's next? I've written a pilot for a series that I hope will get made. I'm probably not allowed to talk about it very much, but it is it is a, it is an interesting sort of counterpoint to this in that in that this is about four girls going off on a road trip and the other one's about four boys going off on a, on on adventures. I think it's it's also quite different, but tonally it's it's not a million miles away. You know, that's in very, very early stages and I probably can't shouldn't have even mentioned it. There we are. I, I have to ask because it was one of my favorites, but is is there anything you can tell us potentially vaguely at the back of your mind about a third series of the capture perhaps hopefully I, I can't i can't say i can't confirm or deny i can't i can't, I can't. but but I, what i will say is um i think that the, the world of ai just is I, every day there's another headline where i'm just like and that this is, this is the show and we all myself and the other producers you know we're still kind of bouncing other bouncing these articles around to each other and um and it gets more and more it gets it gets more and more like the show every day 
in terms of just how convincingly you can re- replicate, say, a politician to say the opposite of what they believe. There's still more to, to, to play with in that area. But I'm almost sometimes I feel like we went so far with season two in terms of what you can do with that, that technology. I almost feel like I need to wait for the real world to kind of catch up with the show in order to give me some, some right inspiration for, for the next chapter of it. Just to bring it back to then you're on then. I suppose, sort of, what, if anything, do you hope people kind of take from watching it from their experience of, of watching the show? I hope that we've created something that's, that you haven't seen before because I don't, I don't know when I've seen a show that's got a kind of a gangster story, a mythical, near-mythical mass murderer story and a coming-of-age story. I think the idea of intercutting those three stories and, 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 they, and they, those three stories connect in a satisfying way in, over, the, over, the, over the course of the series, I think uh, hopefully is something that you won't have seen before. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your answers. Um, it was great to speak to you today. Thanks so much, Alex. Cool. Okay, Stephen, we're going back to the future Hello. with you. How's it going? Right. Taboo. Yeah. Taboo starring many, many people's favourite Tom Hardy. Tell us about it. Yeah, Tom Hardy stars, co-created, um, co-wrote with his father, um, Chips Hardy. Oh, um, very interesting. Um, and interestingly, he got um, Stephen Knight on board as a co-creator. Stephen Knight, obviously known for Peaky Blinders, which also starred Tom Hardy. He was doing a draft on a Star Wars film recently, but I think he's been fired from that already. Yeah. Okay, well, listeners, go off and get, go down a little Stephen Knight wormhole for yourselves there. Okay, right. Thanks. Go on, Stephen. Well, I've totally lost where I am now. Yeah, so Stephen Knight came on board, having worked with Tom Hardy on Peaky Blinders, and he, he said he'd come on board in exchange for Tom Hardy starring in Locke, which is a very good film that he directed, mm. um, which is like a one-man show. It's very good. Taboo is a eight-part gritty, dark, historical period drama series about a sort of mysterious, gruff, manly character, James Delaney, Mm -hmm. who has been off travelling in Africa in the early 1800s, returns to London in 1814 during the War of 1812, which was a major conflict between uh, the Brits and the Americans Mm -hmm. in which we burned down the White House. And then he comes back to London. He's not exactly warmly received because people think he's been off practicing the dark arts in Africa and that he's a bit satanic. Um, and he's come back with a claim to a disputed bit of territory, um, the Nakuta Sound, which would be a vital strategic point for either the Brits or the Americans, both of whom want to basically take it off his hands and then have access to China through through that land um and he's sort of leveraging his position whilst various sides try to send assassins to him and convince him to give up his claim um it's really 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 good um it's it's very dark sometimes it's a bit too dark physically in that you know Mm. it's shot with like candlelight and you can't often see an awful lot um Mm. and it sort of plays on the occult like it's not supernatural but it's very much a paranoia of the supernatural sort of pervades the show and there are some like quasi supernatural aspects to it. Um, okay. It's also got uh, stars David Heyman, 
Jonathan Price, who's from similar sort of similar tonal projects like um, the Pirates of the Caribbean series, and mm. um, he's in Game of Thrones as well, as is Una Chaplin, who plays um, Tom Hardy's character's sister in the show. She's mm. She was in Game of Thrones. She's also Charlie Chaplin's granddaughter. Um, oh. And, yeah, basically... Um, it's a real. It's it's not really a historical show, but uh, in in it's not historically accurate. But there were um, the Nakuta Sound. I think is based on an actual land dispute from mm-hmm. time from the early eighteen hundreds, um, and it's a really interesting look at, I guess, power and um, class as well. Like he's he's not really looked upon favorably because he's not from the well-to-do and you have these Mm -hmm. really vicious um i want to say diplomats but it's more like more like aristocrats and and the 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 power players in london of the time and and in in uh, in america and it Mm -hmm. it's it's got a lot of that sort of intrigue and backdoor dealing kind of thing that's uh that I really like in a in a gritty show. I don't remember hearing about it at the time. Was it fairly? Yeah, so it was kind of was it fairly popular? Really big for a, mm-hmm. a very short while, um, and it lost a lot of momentum because the second season was, I think, the second season was greenlit in 2017, which is when this show right. came out, and it's still not here. So in 2021, mm. we we hear that they've written six of the eight episodes for the next series. And then earlier this year, I think Stephen Knight said that filming will begin in late 2023. So if this is actually true, then you'll probably get season two in 2024, which is, you know, seven years after the first series. It's like a kind of happy valley level of of a break. Um, But I'm not sure if they're intending. I don't think it was meant to be that much of a break. Okay. The War of 1812 ended in 1815. So... Mm-hmm. If it's all set during the War of 1812, then despite the seven-year break, the characters are only going to have aged by a few months or a year, I imagine. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess there's probably still a lot of, like, COVID hangovers in the industry, yeah. you know, like, I, I things are still it, quite delayed. It's got put on the back burner. Obviously, Stephen Knight had a lot going on. He did all of Peaky Blinders, and then he's got yeah. Peaky Blinders film, if that's still a thing, and then he did the SAS show. Mm-hmm. Um and mm. Tom Hardy's been busy as well. But, yeah, it, it does seem like Stephen Knight originally said he wanted to do three seasons. So maybe okay. in another seven years, you know, season three lands, we don't know. But Yeah. Well, if it's good enough, we don't mind waiting, do we? Um, so where, is, where did you watch it, please? Well, it's just landed on BritBox. But okay. if you don't have BritBox, you can watch it on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, you can watch it on BBC iPlayer. If you don't have BBC well, there, it's also on Amazon Prime and it's also on ITVX. So Bloomin' heck, they're making their money, aren't you'd, they? You'd be hard-pressed not to be able to watch it. Um, it's oh, good. It's on everything. Probably the first truly egalitarian programme we've ever reviewed here. Everybody can watch it. Okay, cool. Excellent. Thank you so much, Stephen. And thank you, listeners and viewers, for joining us this week. Uh, do look out for Friday morning's Screen Babble Weekend Watch, which will preview, 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 preview what to watch over the weekend and beyond. If you have any suggestions for what TV we need to get into our lives, drop us a line via our social media. You'll find us on Twitter at National World TV and on all other platforms as National World. You can also sign up for our wonderful weekly TV newsletter by going to nationalworld.com forward slash newsletter. We'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many TV lovers as possible. We'll be back next week. Good morning.
more Screen Babble. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.